Hey everyone, Cody over here, and I am talking to Anton Voorhees on Coffee on the Ropes, where we talk to wrestling personalities, whether you're an announcer, a wrestler, or just a big fan who wants to talk about wrestling and how we are all connected through this passion uh, in some shape or form of wrestling. So Anton, you're a wrestler. Um, how long have you been involved as a wrestler yourself? I'm sure um, you were beforehand. So. <laughs> sure. Um, I first started wrestling in 2006 so what that's like 14 15 years now wow yeah yeah and what how much has the business changed since since then because i'm even as a spectator for me it's changed a lot uh yeah no um well where where i am in northern california um the scene has definitely um changed for the better um when i first started wrestling there was like a million wrestling companies within like, you know, this 30 mile radius. It was just so many people that were wrestlers and then going like, you know what? I could do it better. And then starting a new company with the exact same people as like the old company, but like has like one new idea. And so it was, it was very oversaturated when I first started. And now it's, um, it's not that it's not still oversaturated. Right. I was like, I feel like it still is. <laughs> Definitely uh, do that. You know, there are people out there that are like, these guys aren't using me right. I'll start my own company. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we also have like a few companies that are like getting outside of Northern California. You know, we have Hood Slam that's you know getting recognized mm -hmm. um, outside. We have um, All Pro Wrestling, which you know was still yeah. like drawing huge numbers and stuff like that. So um, it's it's definitely gotten better, and we've um, gotten away from just like this is our target audience of like 20 people yeah. let's make sure that we focus a show for them and now we're like no let's let's draw in people that don't necessarily even like wrestling or have ever been to a wrestling show like let's broaden our our, our well, goal that's a good thing because well, i i want to ask you how do you draw people who aren't necessarily wrestling fans i mean if you're not going with your boyfriend or your diehard wrestling fan girlfriend how do you get interested? How would you draw them? It's um, so what what worked for Hood Slam, which is the company that I'm most closely associated with, um, it started with um, the the owner, Dark Sheik, said like, you know what? I want to start a wrestling company that's fun for me and my friends, and uh -huh. so. Um, she started this company that was more focused on like, let's just have fun in a wrestling ring and not worry about like if the audience is going to get it or not. Let's just yeah. assume that they're going to go along on this ride with us. And so she just started throwing whatever she wanted at the wall of just like, maybe there's uh, video game characters. Maybe there's like outside influences away from just the storytelling of professional wrestling. And it brought in people that were like, oh, man, you got to see this show. Ryu from Street Fighter wrestled, yeah. you know, some, like, Zack from Saved by the Bell. It was insane. Uh -huh. So people that weren't necessarily, like, wrestling fans were like, that sounds like something I want to watch. And 10 years later, like, you can go to a hood slam and at the start of the show be like, who's here for their first time? And like half the crowd will be like, we've never been to a wrestling show before. 
Um, we cool. called it the accidental phenomenon because like it wasn't deliberate. We were just like, let's have fun. And then it turned into this gigantic organism that we never saw coming. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, that's what I love about wrestling is it's so, I would say unpredictable, but there's a lot of it that's also predictable depending on which wrestling you're looking at. Um, so you were talking about video game characters and I was obviously Googling you and I decided to wear this shirt because you are a Legend of Zelda fan, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and you use, you use uh, the Legend of Zelda lore as, as part of your character. Can you tell me how you, why you chose that and how that came about? Uh, yeah. So, um, so Legend of Zelda, um, I was born in the early 80s. I was born in 1983. And Legend of Zelda came out in uh, 1986. Uh -huh. So, like, we had a Nintendo when I was born. <laughs> right. And one of my first uh, video games I ever remember playing was The Legend of Zelda. And then, like, when it came out again on the Super Nintendo, uh, it was the first feeling that I had in my life of, like, nostalgia. Like, I didn't mm -hmm. even know what that word meant, but I was just like, oh, my God, a new Legend of Zelda. And, like, <laughs> weird, like, emotions about it when a new Legend of Zelda game came out. And so then it kept coming out and like surprising me every time because I'm not the smartest guy, but you know, it came out on the Nintendo 64 and I was just like, Oh, they're going to keep doing it. This is insane. Oh, yeah. They keep doing it. Yeah. And, um, it just became very special to me. And I got a, uh, a legend of Zelda tattoo, um, because it meant a lot to my childhood and like, I enjoyed playing them. And eventually, um, when hood slam first started, uh, dark Sheik asked me to be a part of it. And I kind of blew her off because I was, like, trying to be responsible and, like, get married and all that stupid stuff. <laughs> so I wasn't, uh, I wasn't able to join Hood Slam right away. Huh. And then years later, when I was, like, getting a little less responsible and getting divorced, uh -huh. um, Dark Sheik was like, hey, um, we're going to do a video game show. Like, I strictly, like, this is our theme. Come and do Link from Legend of Zelda. And without saying it, she was kind of like, I'm never going to ask you again. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to do it. And so <laughs> that's how I started in Hood Slam was as Link. And I played Link for a few years before um, changing the character to like, you know, still have homages to like Link. I am the Link to the future, Anton right, Gordon. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, like, occasionally I'll still, like, pull out a treasure chest and, like, reveal, like, a hook shot or something. That's so cool. In matches. But, um, yeah, that's that's how it started was that was my foot in the door of Hood Slam was just, like, I'm going to be Link. And it got over. Like, I didn't know what over was. I'd been wrestling for, like, nine years and then came out as Link and was like, oh, this is what it's like when, mm. like, 900 people clap for you. Wow, crazy. Did you like that feeling or was it, are you more Not introverted? Hated. I hate <laughs> I hate when people like what I do. No, oh. it's uh, <laughs> no as as like um as your typical like introverted mm -hmm. performer like um yeah I I definitely need that that moment of like now's my time to shine tell me how good I am and then leave me alone for the rest of right. like the month. I'm uh, kind of the same way. I I think uh, this whole coronavirus situation isn't as hard for us introverts as it could be for the extroverts. Um, yeah. Uh, the, the hardest part that I'm having with the, to switch topics to the coronavirus, yeah. um, the hardest thing that I'm having to deal with is uh, in November, 
I broke my wrist in a wrestling match. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've been kind of self-quarantined since November. Oh, wow. Uh, I've been stuck in the house since then. And the only time that I was getting out was on Fridays going to Hood Slam or hosting Glam or hosting our sexy good time wrestle shows that we have. And uh, yeah, then once that stopped, it was just me being completely stuck at home. And then it was like, oh, wow, this is way worse. I didn't realize how much I needed that at least one night a week. Right. Like, it makes a difference. From the confines of my horrible little house. It looks really cool, actually. I'm, mine is such, such a disaster that I'm like, I'm going to find a wall that's a safe zone. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, but your place looks pretty neat. Yeah, so I did see that you were doing, you were injured and you did some commentating and hosting, right? Uh, yeah. Um, How did you we, like that side of being outside of the ring or on the side of the ring? <laughs> um, so um, I had kind of like commentated before. Um, there was a company called uh, Action Coast Empire and they asked if like I was wrestling on the show and then we would like dub over commentary. So I like, took on a new name to like pretend that I was a different person. So commentary was something that I was decent at. Um, yeah. I've obviously watched wrestling for a long time. So uh, I kind of get the gist of how to like tell a story and, and explain what moves are happening and stuff like that. And then um, uh, la not this last January, but the January before that um, we started a, our women's centric wrestling company, Glam, Guilty mm -hmm. Lethal Action Mayhem. And Sheik asked if I wanted to like be in charge of it. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. I've never That's wanted to ask. Yeah, I've never wanted to be in charge of a wrestling company, but That's um, pretty cool. Yeah, the opportunity came up. And so I was like, all right, we wanted it to feel different from Hood Slam. We didn't want you to walk in and see the same commentator you know, saying the same stuff. So mm -hmm. I decided that I would try to host the show. And so that's something that I've been doing for a while from way before I broke my wrist. And I really enjoy it. I enjoy um, being responsible for kind of helping people like through our wacky, crazy stories that yeah, we do. Yeah, guiding them, sure. Um, so that's that's always fun. And I'm I'm fortunate enough that like, the stuff that like I can think of off the top of my head it tends to be entertaining enough to captivate a, an audience for now, a couple of hours. I, um, you know, there, there are names in the industry who are now, you know, announcers, commentators, or backstage interviewers who in the previous, uh, beforehand, they knew nothing about wrestling. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that matters? Does that, how does that make you feel when you see that happen? Because it does happen. Um, um, sure. <laughs> um, I think it depends on the case-by-case -case basis. Okay. Um, I definitely feel like, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with like Joey Styles mm -hmm. um, as a commentator, but he's been my biggest influence, and he commentates a wrestling match like someone would commentate like, baseball for the radio like <laughs> literally everything that's happening it's like duck the clothesline off the ropes blah 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 blah, blah. Yeah. and that's that's kind of how i commentate so if someone joined me on commentary who was like a comedian that didn't like wrestling but wanted to just like say whatever and be entertaining 
Like, I think we could work together because nice. I can call the wrestling stuff and they can say whatever it is that they're paid to say. Um, so I don't have a problem with that. I think it can be problematic if you get someone that has no idea what they're talking about and then someone else who's not there to talk about the wrestling per se. Sure, then, sure. Then you're like, no one is talking about what's going on in the ring. Right. Um, yeah. It's a case-by-case -case basis, but I think as long as someone's brought in to be entertaining and they are doing that part of their job, then I don't have a problem with them being there. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think the world's also changed quite a bit, and it's not just in the wrestling industry, but singers oftentimes aren't the best singers, but they're wonderful entertainers, right? Sure, yeah, that's how I... <laughs> make people think I can sing. I'm just like, no, I tricked you. That's that's what happened. <laughs> oh, can can you sing? Uh, yeah. I I mean, I can sing. Um, <laughs> question marks. I, yeah. <laughs> I I did um musical theater for like 20 years. Oh my um, god, then you can definitely sing. I mean, but someone <laughs> like you know Mariah Carey could probably be like, he's okay. You know, I mean, like it's comparable I mean, to other things, but yeah. I don't think um, you'll ever get a chance to have Mariah Carey tell you that you're just okay. <laughs> you never know. She could be watching this right now and being like, I'm going to look up this guy. That's true. That's true. Um, who was your wrestling idol growing up? Um, wrestling idol. I don't, my very first favorite wrestler was the big boss man. Okay. Um, wow. Like 19, like 1980s style, like in the like I bought this costume at the Halloween store. Um, I don't know why, like because he was so big and agile. I was just like, this guy's amazing, and I wanted to like be him for Halloween. And then my mom was like, you want to be a police officer for Halloween? And I was like, yeah, kinda. And then she bought <laughs> me like an English Bobby outfit, and I was like, this is not. That's not what I want. That's funny. Um, but yeah, he was my first favorite wrestler. And then um, in high school, my favorite wrestler became the Road Dog, which oh. shows you where my priorities are, which is more like, he's really funny and entertaining yeah. and not necessarily like Bret Hart in the ring, you know? Right, so, right, right. Um, so, you know, later on, other guys like Rey Mysterio and um, Eddie Guerrero and guys that were more like, acrobatic and stuff like that okay became. so you your your wrestling style evolved in terms of what oh, you yeah know. yeah like i i always i loved the characters i was i was always like a big wwf fan mm -hmm. in high school but i would watch wcw for the cruiserweights because sure. i did like seeing people moving around and flipping around because i i was smaller and i am agile and i it was the late 90s, early 2000s. So backyard wrestling was a thing that I was doing. And oh, that's uh, some dangerous stuff there, backyard oh, wrestling. Yeah. I, I can't believe that I didn't <laughs> break something then. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, like I told you uh, before we started recording, I started learning to wrestle. Even like taking a back bump was really scary. You know, I'm like, okay, one, two, bump. So I just can't imagine just going for it, which is nice to be a kid and just not care. Oh, yeah, you're like, nothing can hurt me, and then you're just doing stuff that you look back on, you're like, what an idiot. I know, it's insane. Now, sometimes I look at wrestlers today and what they do, I'm like, why are they doing this to themselves? Because every oh. time you guys go in the ring, you guys are risking breaking a couple bones. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, so what's your favorite current storyline? And it doesn't have to be WWE or anything big, but it could be uh, small. That's good. I, I actually, like... I haven't watched um, 
televised product in a long time. Wow. Um, I, I got to a point where I was wrestling at least every Friday for Hood Slam and Hood that's Slam. That's great, though. A lot of wrestlers can't say that, and that's wonderful. For sure. Um, I was also like the head trainer of a wrestling facility. So Yay. three days a week I was doing that. Plus, I was trying to figure out storylines for glam. Mm -hmm. And basically, like I had no time away from wrestling. So I just couldn't also watch it on television. I get it. In my off time. So I never got back into the habit of watching wrestling. So uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have like a current that's favorite storyline that's happening right now. I mean, all, all you, I shouldn't be saying this, but I mean, I'm going to kind of say is I don't follow everything religiously. It's a lot of, it's a lot of hours, right? You got three hours on Monday and then two hours on Wednesday and then another two hours on Saturday, Friday. And those are just like the big three and then all the pay-per-views. So I tend to like look at the results and if it's something interests me, I'll go further into it. And then it, I'll sometimes catch up on the pay-per-views. That's my way of catching up because you're right. Like there's so much different kind of wrestling out there that sometimes when you're not having to do wrestling, which you do enjoy, you kind of want to not do wrestling and that's okay. Um, So what else do you do? I mean, I'm guessing you're a gamer. I am. I am a gamer. Um, I, I just uh, recently finished the Final Fantasy VII remake. Oh, okay. How did that go? You're, you, you stay the whole time in, in uh, Midgard, right? Yes, um, the whole the whole story takes place in Midgar. Um, I I loved it. I I mean I've been quarantined and like been missing um, people talking to me and stuff like that. So like <laughs> in like a weird mental headspace, but like just walking around playing the game, like I almost cried multiple times of just being like, oh my god, it's Midgar. Um, <laughs> uh, like I I love I loved that game and uh, the I thought the remake did a great job of saying like all right here here's the remake that you all asked for and now this next game that's coming out like is no longer this we gave you that like almost exact copy and now we're going to be like everything's up in the air so it ends in a way that's very like oh i don't know what's going to happen i've played this game 400 times like mm-hmm. the original but i don't know what's going to happen now because within the story they basically told us like hey, we're not sticking to the script anymore, so. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I haven't got it yet. I I think it kind of bothers me that you have to pay 70 bucks four times to play the whole game. Um, yeah, no, I can, I can definitely see that. But while, while I was playing it, like, it feels like a whole game. Like, it doesn't feel like you're just on step one. See, that's Um, good. That's good to hear. Um, for me, I'm sure other people will argue like, no, they didn't blah, blah, blah. And like, I don't know. I loved it. I, like I said, I, I almost cried. It was, it's a beautiful thing. maybe I should invest in it. I mean, right now I've, I've been playing way too much Animal Crossing. So is uh, my girlfriend. Yes, I understand. <laughs> it's, it's really like, it just sucks you in. And when you get out, you're like, what did I do with my day? Like, what just happened? You know, um, too much Animal Crossing. And then, uh, to socialize, because I am an introvert, just like you, sure. I do Jackbox TV on Zoom with my friends. Have you nice. been doing that? Um, someone asked me to do it, and they were like, yeah, so we'll we'll Zoom on your computer and then, like, play on your phone. And I was like, my phone is my computer. I can't participate. Like, 
Um, I've realized within the quarantine that I need to buy a laptop. Like there's too many times where I need multiple. Ah, so you're doing both right now. Um, yeah, right now you're just, everything's on my phone. Oh, wow. I would recommend if you want to save money, an iPad actually is really, really effective as a, as a laptop stand in, I guess. Sure. Fair enough. Um, I've, I've also wanted to get into like video editing and back into graphic design. Oh, which I yeah. Um, so I'm thinking a laptop at this point is going to be a decent investment. Um, plus my birthday's coming up. So, you know. Oh, when's your birthday? Uh, the 27th. The 27th. Oh, so you are a Gemini? I, I am. And I'm assuming that if you follow astrology... <laughs> you're going to be like, ew, gross, because literally everyone's just like a Gemini. And I'm like, I don't know what it means. I'm sorry that I was no, born. I mean, my, my mom's a Gemini, and I, every time I see her, I love her to death, but it just, you never know what you're going to get. That's all. <laughs> she just never know what day, what day it is for her. A good That's day or a bad day? Which one is it? Who it's am I going to it's always a negative when someone's like, oh, you're a Gemini. I'm just like, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry that whatever that means. But yeah. But you, I, you seem like a very happy-go, positive person to me. I try uh, to be, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, especially since you were talking about Final Fantasy VII and how much you loved it versus how a lot of people would find ways to nitpick and be unhappy about the product itself. Um, For sure. So other than wrestling because every wrestler or most wrestlers also do something else as they have another job like what do you do you said you gra- do graphic designing um yeah i used to do graphic designing back in the day when i had a computer uh, <laughs> um but my my other job that i have besides wrestling and wrestling training is uh i'm a personal trainer uh, oh. i work at a fitness studio um, and yeah, our, our clientele is like mostly like older people trying to like rehab, like yeah. work, around, work around problems. Um, and that's been really cool. Um, it, unfortunately, like the way that we work out and show people how to work out is not meant for like, I'm a wrestler and I want to get super jacked. Like, sure. no, this is, this is like. I'm 70 years old and I don't want to fall down anymore. So like, that's more of like what type of working out we're, uh, we, we do at our company. Um, but that, yeah, that was my other job. And then I got injured and, uh, have been on disability ever since. So lucky timing, I guess for breaking. Right. I mean, my friends and I kind of joked, this might be a bad joke that this might be the best time to get pregnant. (laughs) Uh, I've been trying. It's just it's I know. I, hopefully, hopefully, success this time for you. Um, I, I love that you said you're a personal trainer because I actually am also a personal trainer. Outside of all of this, um, I started my training career maybe I would like to say three, four years now. Uh, okay. And you and I might relate to this, where I feel that that whole industry is never going to be the same after this, and it's oh, kind of yeah. scary. Yeah, that's um, that's what's gonna be crazy is like when I come back because someone's been filling in for me since November before mm. the quarantine. So when we reopen, it's like not only do I not know what clients I still have there, mm-hmm. um, but I also like how many of them are going to come back and be yeah. like, no, I feel fine touching things right after someone else did. So 
yeah, I really don't know what's what it's going to be like, what the environment will be when I eventually go back to work. So Right. And even just going to the gym on your own, I, I don't know about you, but I don't have much personal equipment. I have very limited stuff. Um, and I miss picking up the heavier weights. Um, but I am, a, I am kind of worried about going back into the gym and re- having that lifestyle. Because a lot of people, I don't know about your gym, but even though you're supposed to clean up after yourselves, like people can be kind of inconsiderate and not wipe up after themselves. And I'm just kind of worried about that. Um, anyway, so uh, what are you doing right now to, if you are, even though you're injured, to kind of keep moving or exercise? Um, so when I, um, when I broke my wrist, I realized that I needed to completely redo every aspect of my physical fitness. Um, because (laughs) I was, I was working out every day because I was in a gym every day. So it was really easy to just be like, Hey, I have, you know, an hour break. I'm, I'm at a gym anyway. I might as well work out. And so I realized like once I broke my wrist, like I didn't have that easy motivation anymore. And Mm. to be fair, um, I also wasn't in great shape, like as a professional wrestler, like I was working out every day to maintain a very average body. (laughs) Okay. Um, so I realized like I need, if I can't work out, I'm going to need to change how I eat because I just ate whatever I felt like because I grew up with a decent metabolism and drank milkshakes every night. Um, <laughs> I couldn't do that anymore. So, um, so I, I switched my diet around. Um, and then once I was able to actually start moving, I, I bought um, a bunch of like dumbbells and stuff for my house. And I've just been trying to keep in shape in a way that, you know, I can't lift heavy. Like, yeah, right. I probably need a second surgery on my wrist. It's not better still. So what is the, uh, what is the prognosis? Like, what are they saying it is exactly? Um, so imagine if you will, a cartoon bone, like, okay, like a cartoon a, bone, a, sure. Like a milk bone that you would give to a dog. Um, okay. and the, so the top part of my, uh, my radius here, yeah. Yeah. um, broke off just the whole thing just broke off. And so my radius was like, Hey, Olna, I've never seen what it's like over there. And just like hung out. on the other. Um, so they had to go in and, you know, put that back together and put a piece of metal in my wrist so that, you know, my bone would be where it's supposed to be. So is your, is there a metal in your wrist now? Yes. There's metal in my wrist. Now I I'm Lex Luger. I'm going to knock people out with it. That's cool. Um, so, so if you were to go through an airport, you have to tell them I have metal in my wrist. Um, so I've done, <laughs> I've been through an airport and unfortunately it didn't, it didn't set off any alarms. Oh, that would have been so crazy cool. Yeah, I was, I was stoked for it, but it's really like, um, when I looked at it, it's like the size of the, the top of like a soda can, Aww. this little tab. Um, but now they're talking about going back in and taking that out. They think maybe that's what's still causing me pain and loss oh. of range of motion. Um, so, so my surgeon, we had to talk over the phone cause I couldn't go see him because yeah. the world shut down. Um, which is like, so it's not better. And I was like, no, it's not better. And he's like, okay, 
well, let's take out the, the, the metal that might fix it. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, yeah. So another month of recovery once we take out the metal and then you should be fine. You'll just have holes in your bone. And I was like, that doesn't sound better. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's all kind of up in the air right now um, on what to do, but I think I'm going to have to have a second surgery and hope for the best because yeah. So because I don't of like, your limitations with what you can do, yeah. you have to eat better is what you're saying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I've actually, um, when I broke my wrist, I was at 190 pounds, which as a wrestler, like isn't big. Um, but I then, <laughs> I then changed my, my diet and I got all the way down to 170 pounds. Wow, which that's is, great. I don't, is it? That's really small. <laughs> so well, I mean, it depends on your height too. Uh, how, mm, how tall are you? I'm 5'10". Okay, so you're pretty tall. Five, one, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, I see. I think you're, I imagine you're about the same, you're a little slim then now. Um, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm very, very lean and I'm now attempting, I'm attempting to put weight back on, which is difficult when one of your hands doesn't want to hold yeah, on. Yeah, sure. Weight, but, you it's know, like we need weights for that. Yeah, it's, but my, my wrist isn't the boss of me, so it can no. deal with it. <laughs> no. Uh, have you tried DDP yoga? You might like that. Uh, I did do DDP yoga before all of this. Um, uh, and it was fun. I just, I have a problem with stuff like DDP yoga or insanity where like, <laughs> I'll get really into it for like two or three weeks and then I just get bored. And then yeah. the idea of putting the disc in is just like too much. I'm just like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> well, then you just got to try a different one, maybe go back and forth. I don't know. That's I a thought. Know. It's definitely a thought. Um, but I've been doing a lot of like insanity type of stuff. Um, I was doing a fitness challenge um, that a another personal trainer friend of mine hmm. like invited me to do. She was like, "Hey, you don't have to pay for this. Just like do this challenge." And so I was doing that for a little while, and then I got bored of that. And so now I'm just I'm, I'm doing what I can. I'm doing a lot of burpees and stuff. Um, well, what was the challenge? Um, it was just her coming up with like a two month thing where it's like two weeks of this and two weeks of this oh. and here's, here's the meal plan. But like, I couldn't follow the meal plan cause I'm a, I, I was doing keto and her meal plan was not keto. Oh, I don't and know how you do keto. I've tried keto and I, I could not go past a week with it. I was, um, I, I don't really like food. Oh, so. <laughs> you're lucky. What? Luckily, I was just like, I don't, I can eat the same boring thing every day. Um, that's, that's not that's an funny. issue. Um, See, I'm the opposite. Like, you know how everyone has like their love languages? Food for me is my love language. So I like sharing food, talking food, discussing food. So sure. that's my biggest trouble when it comes to uh, being in shape. I always tell myself, you'd be in such better shape if you ate better, but I just can't mm. do it. I just can't do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, keto is not for everybody. I'd actually, I, I would like to get off of it. Like mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not one of those like die hard, like this is amazing. Um, cause I'm not sure if the keto was what helped me lose the weight or if it was the fact that I just like was eating the amount that like a 16 year old girl should eat. Like just, <laughs> uh, I'm sure what, what I did to uh, lose the weight wasn't the most healthy thing in the world now that I'm looking back on it. Um, so I'd, I'd like to get off of keto. It's just like, it's scary at this point. 
of yeah, sure. not wanting to put on bad weight and not knowing what's going to happen. So yeah, it's, it's a very slow process at this point. Yeah. Well, good luck with you on that. Um, how did you, how did you hurt your wrists? And uh, in a, in a wrestling match, um, I, I did, it's a hundred percent my fault. Okay. Um, basically we were, um, we were in the back talking about the match and someone called a spot where, uh, in my head I was like, so, okay, here's the spot. Why not? We're, we're wrestlers here. Right. Um, so it was a tag match and he was like, Hey, so I'm going to give you a spine buster and then I'm going to give my, uh, partner a spine buster on you. Uh-huh. And my first thought was like, you're going to land right on my face. Oh God. Okay. And instead of saying like, Hey, let's not do that. I was like in my head, I'll just protect my face. Hmm. That'll solve all my problems. And so oh, we, okay. got, we got in there and uh, I took the spine buster and then I saw the guy go up and I went to protect my face. And then instinctually, when I saw that he wasn't going to land on my face, my hands went to him. Oh, and then he landed on me. Ooh. And it's, there's a, there's a picture of it, like, like a split second before my wrist breaks. And I look at it and I go like, I know better than that. Why did I do this? I've been doing this for 14 years. Why on earth did I put my hands up? Um, and yeah, stupid mistake that I can now show to wrestling students and be like, this is why we keep our <laughs> arms down. This is, what, this is what you don't do. Yeah, exactly. Now, did you have to finish the match? Or did you... The, I mean, what happened? <laughs> the, the, the weirdest thing. Um, <laughs> I, wrestled, I wrestled a match a few years ago and thought that I broke my ankle. Um, I, I, took a, I took a suplex that I thought I was reversing, but uh-huh. the guy thought I wasn't reversing. And basically, like, the my toes touched my shin bone. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I kept wrestling. I just had that moment of like, this is going to be bad, but I need to finish this match. Mm-hmm. When I broke my wrist, I turned to Sheik, my, my tag partner, and was just like, I broke my arm. And she was like, tag me in. And I tagged her in and just rolled out and was like, I'm leaving. And I just went to the hospital. <laughs> okay. Wow. No part of me was like, I need to finish the match. My brain just went, <laughs> okay, I guess I'm going now. <laughs> See ya. Well, I mean, I feel like a lot of wrestlers that they do get injured during the match and they kind of mm-hmm. keep going. So I was just wondering. Yeah, um, it, was, it was crazy that like, <laughs> when I thought I broke my ankle, no part of me thought about stopping. It was just like, okay, oh. I'll, I'll deal with it later. So but crazy. It, it's because it was my arm, which like you can see. Yeah. Like, no, I gotta, I gotta go. Like, this isn't. Oh my God. It's crazy. I leave. Also, it was a, um, it was a student show. It wasn't an oh, actual, right. um, it wasn't a hood slam. So I think I felt a lot less pressure to like need to be there. I was like, now, I'm not getting paid. I'm out of here. And now every time you get injured, do you, do you, are you more afraid of going into the ring or does that not change ever? Um, that had never that had never been a problem before. So <laughs> okay. I, I would like to think that when I get back in there, um, I'll be fine. But there is a part of me that's like, I don't, I don't know. There is a, there mm. is a chance that I'm going to get in there and like try to protect my arm and like worry about being hurt. My, uh, my 
old my other tag team partner um Ian Hansmith he broke his arm in a match and after that he had that thought in the back of his head of just like I don't want to get hurt and he ended up um retiring not too like about a year ago um just because like when he broke his arm his his daughter had a birthday and he couldn't like go swimming with her on her oh yeah so he was just like I can't I can't do this anymore I'm now putting like wrestling above my daughter if I get Mm -hmm. hurt and I don't I don't have a daughter so I don't think that's gonna be too probably you're pregnant (laughs) but I can't give you an honest answer until I get back in the ring Um, but I'm hoping that I can go back to feeling invincible I I think though if I've watched quite a bit of wrestling documentaries the most recent one i forgot the name of it it was 1991 had mick foley terry funk and um kick the snake i don't know if you've seen it but it talks about like how even though they're so severely i guess injured or damaged and they shouldn't go back in the ring they keep going back into the ring um that being said i do feel like there's a a bit of an addiction to wrestling that makes wrestlers go back like you could take the undertaker for example who's retired I don't know, so many times each year, it's like, it's his last match, it's his last match, but he keeps coming back, you know? Um, do you, do you, does that resonate with you, that there's like a, an addiction to wrestling? Um, you- yeah, like, so I started performing, I, I started doing theater um, in like the fifth grade. Mm-hmm. And like, you say something funny in theater and people laugh and they clap and then you <laughs> continue on. And then at the end of the show, like there's a big applause and you take your bow and you're like, cool, I did a thing. Um, <laughs> whereas wrestling, there's just constant uh, reaffirmation that you're doing a good job. If, sure. if you're doing a good job. <laughs> sure. but you walk through the curtain and people cheer. Yeah. You, yeah. You can like give a look and people cheer or boo. There's that instant mm. gratification from wrestling. I see that. That's just, it's something that you can't really compare to any other um, performance that I've mm. been a part of. Um, it's, it's, yeah, so it, it can be very addicting to have people that see you do something that maybe in your head isn't a big deal. Like, yeah. Um, I have a I have a move called the boomerang kick, which is basically like a running Pele kick. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, it's easy. Like yeah. it re- it's it's all momentum. But I have so many people that are just like, "You're an amazing high flyer. You can do crazy stuff." And I'm like, I do that one thing. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's not it's not hard. And I'm not a high flyer. I hate jumping off the top rope. It hurts. But people get that perception of this thing that I find easy and they make it out like it's a big deal. And yeah, that can be really addicting, which is what's hard about quarantine is like, hey, can someone tell me that I'm good at something? You're good at something. Thank you. You're welcome. Anytime you need to hear it. No, I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, So yeah, yeah, it's very addicting. That constant reaffirmation that you're good um, just becomes very addictive. Yeah, it makes me kind of wonder, you know, I do believe that wrestling is a lot about the audience. It's very heavy um, audience cheering and jeering. So now that, you know, the performance center is where all the WWE wrestlers are doing it without an audience, I wonder 
how they're feeling. It must be a very different experience for them as it is for us to see no one around them as well. Yeah. I, wa um, I watched Money in the Bank ah. and um, literally after, um, I think it was the first match, the, the tag match, uh -huh. um, like they did a bunch of crazy stuff and then there's a pin, one, two, three, and then the like New Day just kind of gets up and they're like, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> how do you, like, you must just think like as soon as the match is over in front of nobody, like, <laughs> That was dumb. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah. Um, like, no matter how good the match is, like, without the crowd telling you you're doing a good job, it's got to be so hard to just yeah, feel that. motivated. Um, like, I remember seeing uh, AJ Styles hit the phenomenal forearm in the pay-per-view, but, like, landed on his feet. And, like, <laughs> I've, I've had that thought where you're like, I'm going to do this thing. And you go for it, and you're like, Ah, it's not worth it. You kind of like, give up midway, like, no, nah, I'm not gonna <laughs> land like that. I'll land on my feet. Oh, so man. it's gotta be, it's gotta be really hard to like stay in that. Like, I don't care if this hurts when there's no one to see yeah. you do it. It must be challenging for sure. So, yeah, I've I've caught that a couple times of guys just being like, eh, I'll kind of, I'll kind of <laughs> half-ass this one. <laughs> Well, Anton, thank you so much for stopping over and chatting with me. It was wonderful getting to know you. I wish you the best. Uh, in the meantime, where can people follow you? And eventually, where can people possibly see you back in the ring when the time comes? Totally. Um, so you can follow me on Facebook, Anton Voorhees. You can, you can follow me on Twitter. I am link, the number two, the word future, the letters FTF. So cool. uh, link link to future FTF. Um, to be fair, I'm not great at Twitter. Like, me neither. I, um, but we also, uh, I'm the host and commentator for Glam. When that starts up, I'm at Hood Slam every Friday. Um, you can find Hood Slam anywhere. Just Google Hood Slam and enjoy. Uh, <laughs> you can buy our merch at uh, birdswillfall.com that is the hoodslam website because someone else bought hoodslam.com like a oh. jerk and they took it away from us Boo. Um, so yeah we're, we're at birdswillfall.com and uh, buy, buy merch support the cause yes and thanks for having me Support all the causes. Yeah, of course. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. You guys can follow me at K-A-O-R-I-O-U-S. There's so many vowels, I know, but, you know, that's a, a Japanese name. That's what happens. Anyways, Anton, again, thank you so much. We'll be in touch. Uh, I would hope to see you in real life sometime in the future, whether it's in SoCal, NorCal, or anywhere across the globe. Um, good luck getting pregnant. <laughs> Ongoing joke. Stay healthy. And we'll talk to everyone soon. See you later. Bye.